Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 7, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 3, and we are at page 34, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Deb W., Larry K., Penny C., and Michelle H. The reference number for yesterday, January 6th, is 7166. 7166. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cindy S. to read the 12 steps. Yes, good morning, Katie. This is Cindy S., as in Sam, from New Jersey, the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as We understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Cindy S. I will now ask Anita L. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, everyone. Anita L. recovered for today from Philadelphia area. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, 
there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 34, paragraph 1. I will ask Deb W. to begin reading. Hi, this is Deb W., an Oklahoma recovered compulsive eater. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try uh, leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. 
though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. So this paragraph to me is, it gives us opportunity to self-diagnose uh, ourselves, you know. Um, as I look at it, I, uh, the, the words that speak to me are, um, if, we, if you have entered this dangerous area, and, you know, those are the, the real alcoholic and the far advanced, uh, those are the words that speak to me when I think about uh, what is the difference in me and someone who just eats too much or someone who really doesn't have a problem with food. And, you know, I think it is very, very important to be able to identify in uh, and to be able to know, and, and, you know, there's a part in the big book that says to smash home the fact that am I a real compulsive eater um, or am I uh, someone that just has a bad habit? Uh, I remember, I think, uh, when my habit was just bad, uh, but now, I, you know, when I came back to program in 2009 after relapse, I came back not because I wanted to stop eating. I came back because I was miserable. I had been defeated by food. I, I couldn't. There was very little time in the day that I wasn't obsessing about food or eating food, the binge foods that caused me a problem. Um, you know, I was thinking, too, the difference in me and a person who may just eat too much or a, just a regular person who had a meal here or there that, you know, was more than they wanted is that, you know, they can stop. You know, they can, they have the power to say, oh, my God, I just had too much. I'm miserable. I'm not going to eat any more of that um, without effort, you know. And then there may be that that takes a little bit more effort. It takes a diet, you know. But whether those of us who are real compulsive eaters that are real, uh, really uh, gone past the, uh, to entered the dangerous area, we actually uh, think about food, whether we're out of the food or whether we're not. I mean, we, we what I mean by that is the reason we, when we're out of the food, the reason why we have to be, very clear with ourselves that we are still, but we're recovered, is that we have to live that uh, design for living to keep us there, you know, to keep us clean and keep us out of the food, and that is the working the steps on a daily basis. I mean, once we've entered that place, uh, and I have myself, I've entered, and thank God I'm in the recovered state, and uh, with the grace of God will continue, once I enter that, I won't be going back. The rest of my life, I have to be very aware. I can't, you know, play with the idea that maybe I'm not a real compulsive eater. Maybe I can try to have this item, you know, again. Um, but this paragraph, to me, is just really giving us the opportunity to, to, to identify in, to really be clear that 
there is a difference between a real alcoholic and someone that just eats too much. Thank you. I pass. Thank you very much, Deb W. Who would like to comment on this paragraph for three minutes? This is Janice. Lauren S. Janice. Lauren S. Lauren. Yes, I got it. Anyone else? Okay, Janice, you're up. Yes, thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, this book is uh, is awesome. You know, it doesn't even tell you, you know, you're an alcoholic, you're a real compulsive overeater. It gives us our, it, the, the, the ball is in our court. Test yourself. Test yourself. So they're telling you, here's a warning, here's, a, here's an experiment for you. If you want to, see if you are or see if you're not. Test yourself. You know, um, try leaving um, your donut or whatever trigger food you have alone for one year. Well, I know I tried many and many a time. You know, I would do six months or even I would do eight months. But you see, the time got closer and closer and closer that I couldn't leave it down. Because I know today, of course, I did have, I do have the disease, so it gets progressively worse. So the time was closer. I mean, there was a time when I couldn't even leave it for hours. I mean, it, I just couldn't do it. You see, a normal, a normal eater, like was described, they don't have to do that. They, it doesn't, they don't have to think about stopping for a year. They just stop. I mean, there's no problem there. But with me... See, I have a twofold disease. It's the allergy of the body. The worst part for me is um, I have the obsession of the mind that doesn't allow me to stay stopped. You see, so the abstinence was always a temporary thing for me. I just could not stay stopped, no matter what reason I had, no matter how sick I was. I just could not stay stopped. So leaving it alone for a year or a month. See, we're, we're, anybody that has to control a problem is out of control. Normal people don't have don't just they just don't say that. So you see, if you if you are looking at this book, you know, and you're trying to find a way out, I have a problem. Otherwise, why would I be looking at this book for Alcoholics Anonymous? You see, so that's a sign right there because I know for myself I tried every method to stay stopped like most of us have. And so if you want to test yourself, try doing this. And then on page 44, it's going to tell us again how to determine if I am a compulsive overeater. And I pass. Thank you, Katie and everyone. Thank you, Janice. Um, Lauren S., you're up. Thank you. Lauren S. as in Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Let her try leaving food alone for one year. She is a real compulsive overeater. There is scant chance of success. Um, And I, I really... I just think it's silly when they say some will be drunk the day after making the resolution. That reminds me of Roland Hazard. He was drunk on the boat ride home after being with Young for a year. 
I, I, there's a couple experiments that, that they told me I could do on 31 about, let's see if you can do the red about face and drink like a woman. Let's see if you can step over to the nearest cupboard and try some controlled eating. And I, I didn't do those experiments when I was going through the text. I, I did those experiments before I, um, became abstinent and started working the steps. So I was practicing, I guess you could say I was practicing my step one before I also before I entered this book and um while I was going through these these statements and I meditated on this, you know, can I stop compulsive overeating for a year with no food with not only just abstinence, but no God of my understanding, no sponsor, no twelve steps, no twelve traditions, no big book. Um no inventory, no amends, and and also no drugs, no weed, no alcohol, no obsessive shopping. Like that, when they say entire abstinence, I take that as entire abstinence from substances that are gonna be that are gonna be my power, that are gonna like influence me in a way that God isn't influencing me. So, so, uh. My answer to that is I can't. You know, I can stay. Like, I can, I don't know if I could be abstinent with just food, but if I was be able to be abstinent from food, I have a. I'm the kind of addict where I'm treating my disease in some way. If it's not through God, I'm treating it through obsessive shopping. I'm treating it through some kind of pill, some kind of, um, you know, maybe caffeine, some some kind of some kind of substance. So today I don't engage in any of those just for me, you know, that's, that's what I do today, and, oh, geez, there's one more thing I wanted to say, oh, yes, okay, last thing I want to say is, is, when they say abstinence, for me, I used to think that meant, okay, I'm, I'm almost ready to wrap up, I used to think that meant, like, a specific role, like, a specific regulation, it meant this many meals, or this many calories, or this or this time to eat. But for me, today, abstinence means sanity around food because I can be abstinent by a, a role, but I, I'll still be insane around food. And today, I'm sane around food. So thank you guys for letting me share. That I will pass. Thank you, Lauren. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Rakesha? Okay. Okay, Rakesa, you're up. Suji. Thank you. Suji, Vasa. Okay, Rakesa, Suji, then Vasa. Go ahead. Thank you, Katie. My name is Rakesa Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And when I read this paragraph and I think about normal eaters, it reminds me of how I felt over these last holidays, over Thanksgiving and holiday parties I attended. And I was watching people. I was watching normal, quote-unquote, eaters. And these people were really caught up in the social event. They were really happy to be with other people. And the food was just like kind of a cherry on top. You know, having good food, nibbling on it was was fun for them. It was just a fun occasion because they were with people they, they enjoyed. and you know, they had some good food that they don't normally eat. It was holiday food and it's special. So they can indulge in it and enjoy it and that's it. 
when I go to those parties, when I go to Thanksgiving, all I am thinking about is food. When I'm in the food, that's all I can think about constantly the whole time I'm there. At, I'm, I'm thinking about the food. How much can I have without people noticing? How many servings can I take? How about if I go and sneak a plate and take it into the kitchen and nobody will see me eating there? Or sneak a plate and go outside on the patio and, and eat it there so that nobody, nobody's watching me? Or if I real, feel really uncomfortable with sneaking more and more food, I'm already planning my after party. I'm planning to what I'm going to have my own little party after the party. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get my whole list of binge foods. I might have to go to more than one store. And then I have to take all that, you know, bagfuls of, of food and go drive somewhere where, where no one will see me and just eat in the car, having my own little party. I don't want any people around. I don't want to be social with anyone. This is just me. And why? Because I'm looking for the effect. I'm looking for the effect that I got when I first started overeating as a, as a small child. And the thing is that the, I have to keep eating and eating and eating to get that effect. And I never find the effect. So I keep eating more and I keep eating more, trying to get that effect that, ah, that I feel good, that I feel satisfied now. And I never get there. No matter how many boxes and bags of cookies and donuts and cakes, I eat, I never get there, no matter what. And people at the holiday parties, you know, they knew a little, and they're already there. They're not even thinking about it. That's it. You know, it was good. I never, you know, we eat these once a year, how special it is, how special to be with people. No. The only time I feel okay is when I'm having my own food party, just by myself, without anybody scrutinizing me, without anybody watching me, without anybody... I'm disapproving of what I'm doing. I don't have to think about that. All I can think about is myself and the food and the effect I'm after. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. This is okay. Jody. I'd um, like to share, too. Okay, Jody, is that what you said? Okay, um, you'll be after Vasa. Sue G, you're up. Hello. Thanks. Hi, it's Suji. Can you hear me? This is Vasa. Did I, did you call me? Um, no, Vasa. You're going to be after Suji, and then okay. Jody. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Am I unmuted? Yes, Sue. There. <laughs> I have such trouble with these buttons. This is Suji, a little daffy in Pennsylvania, gratefully uh, recovered. And um, I'm thinking about this here. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. Okay. Well, I look at this, and what I see is in in what what is kind of my MO now, which is conscious acceptance that runs the that's the thread in recovery that runs through every step. So here we're looking at the very beginning. And at this point when when we're trying whatever experiment we think we might want to do, which which I didn't really want to do when I came to OA. I was sick of it. I didn't want an experiment like that. So I didn't do one. Huh. That was cool. But what 
what this is about is it matters that you are there. You, you are at a point of powerlessness. It doesn't matter at all at this moment how you got there. That, that does matter later. It matters a great deal. And, and in our layers of recovery, as we continue to live in, in the program, as, as I do steps, living in steps 10, 11, and 1 equals 12 every day, then it does matter how I got there. It matters a great deal. And it might matter if I'm talking to somebody outside a meeting. Uh, of course it matters because they're, they're relating to what I say because they have something that's similar to me. That, that's how we identify in. We, we are in a, an environment that's wonderful in this meeting. And when we're ready, we can identify in. And most people have some, some ability to do that from the get-go. And so here, I think that, that I, I really go to my 12 and 12. Who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. And yes, in my recovery, I find I'm powerless over loads of things. That's why I do step one every day. But, but at the beginning, I just have to admit that food has me licked. I'm, I'm just not doing what I think I need to do. And, and I'm listening to the addiction all the time. And, and it'll talk up a storm. And, and if it talks up a storm, then I'd better try to listen to something else, which is a, a little tad of honesty about what it is that I'm up to. It's truly awful to admit that glass in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. So already sliding into step two here, but, but that's what happens if you look clearly and simply at your problem. Do I have a problem? What's my diagnosis? Am I a compulsive eater? Well, it says in Tradition 3, that's a reason for coming to OA. So, yeah, you probably are if you walked in this door. Why hang around here? We're nice people, but you don't know that yet when you walk in. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Vasa, you're up. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everybody. And I'm Vasa. Oh, Recover Compulsive Ovita calling from Florida. Wow. It's, you know, again, it's me. This paragraph I see myself. I can identify so much with it. Um, self-examination and, and experimentation over and over, trying to, um, to get the food under control by my own power, by my own self. It just trying to find that solution. I did it for years and years. I could not do it, you know. And I love this, the last sentence. Some will be, some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them with a few weeks. Are you kidding? I, I couldn't even get a few days, you know. And as I shared before, my one of the resolutions for New Year's Eve was for me to get on that diet again, and it's by the grace of God. I've gone 28 years, and I don't take credit. God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. So um, what a relief. I don't have to think about the diets anymore or to think about the food. And, again, uh, I remember thinking there was, I mean, I remember there was nothing more that I wanted than what I had. I just wanted to start eating 
the way I was eating when I came to the program, you know, trying everything that I tried and that everybody has tried. There were like three more things I wanted to try, but I was too embarrassed. I didn't want to tell my husband, you know, to have the bypass done. And I wasn't really overweight too much, like maybe 30 pounds. And for me, it was getting progressive. You know, I didn't get yet, you know, really, really get, you know, the physical problems or the really, really, really heavy, you know. But I was on the way. I know, I know if I did not find the program, I, 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 would, I would be probably even dead today. But anyways, and uh, again, you know, it's a day at a time. You know, it has gotten me so many years by surrendering to God and the, and to the program and the steps and even the tools, you know. The tools were great because it would get me through, like, let's say, from breakfast to lunch. If I wanted to eat, then I'd call somebody up or maybe I'd read the literature or I'd pray on my knees, please God remove the compulsion from from the food. And that worked, that worked the most, you know. But the steps, you know, I just, I just threw myself, you know. I said, it, it, it's going to be better life out there than the life that I'm living with the food and with my life, too, because the food was affecting my life and relationship with um, children and myself and husband and, and you know, and everybody else. So I'm so grateful to be here. And it seems like we're on step one forever forever, but I know for myself, I do not need to be convinced, you know, and as we say, you know, if you're not convinced, then go and eat some more and find out for yourself, so I'm glad, I'm glad that I found out for myself that nobody had to convince me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Jody, it's your turn. Jody, press star one to unmute. Um, yes, I'm here. This is Joni. I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Uh, grateful uh, that I'm in recovery today. And I think the first few years that I was in um, recovery, since I'm not uh, in another program, I could not relate to the big book. I could relate to the OA literature, but AA was just a little bit uh, too far beyond me. And um so I grew up the first few years in OA and moved to a remote area where I thought there was more OA than there was, and uh, so I began to go to open AA meetings, and it's the first time I had ever been, and I just want to say that this passage in the big book where it talks about being in a dangerous area, um, I began to understand the disease um, from these people in AA because they understood the fatality of the disease. And they were grateful that they were just alive regardless of um, any of the material things that they had lost. They were grateful to be alive and they were grateful to be in recovery. And I think that in um, my experience in OA, oftentimes uh, I don't hear the fatality of the disease spoken about enough and people are dying all around me. And so that is why it's important for me to not only study the big book and the other literature, but to remember that this disease is fatal and that if I do not work the steps, I will be back in 
the disease. So um, I just want to thank everybody for their share and wish everybody a good day. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Joni. And I'll share for a minute on this. Um, my name is Katie F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, when I came in, um, I went to, I, I think, just one meeting when I was 14. And I, you know, I was um, the one who just scoffed at it. I just thought, you know, why are you taking this so seriously? I just need to lose a few pounds. And at the time, I weighed about 10 pounds more than I do now. And, um, you know, then I, so I went back out for seven more years before I darkened the doors of OA again. And, you know, when I came back, I had 30 pounds to lose. And, you know, I still um, did not get it. I still did not um, understand the allergy and the obsession, although I had it. I definitely had the obsession, but I didn't understand um, my uh, alcoholic foods. And so it took six more years of being in the rooms and trying to do it myself, um, you know, taking what I wanted and leaving most. And, you know, by the time I, I did get abstinent, I was the person who could not stay um, abstinent for even a day. And I'm so grateful that I understand today the progressive nature of this disease and that it doesn't matter how long I've been abstinent, that that is what is waiting for me. Um, with that, I'll pass. Would anybody else, uh, well, let's just move on to the next um, paragraph. Oh, yeah. Would um, Leah, if you don't mind holding on a bit, I'm going to ask Larry Kay to read the next paragraph, and then we'll open it up for sharing. Sure. Thank you. Hi, Katie. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. Uh, thanks for your service. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever. Yet we found it impossible. There is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, the utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Okay, so um, this paragraph uh, is pretty powerful, pretty powerful stuff, and um, and it's 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 pretty baffling indeed. This disease, you know, so since I'm I'm unable to eat moderately, you know, the the, the critical question is how do I stop altogether? And, and chapter two, you know, we read it. It's called, you know, entitled "There Is a Solution," one solution. On the very first page at the bottom of that uh, chapter, it's uh, you know we're reminded that the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution, a common solution. You know, but in the paragraph we just read together, there's there's a caveat, and that caveat says we are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. You know, and and this is a critically important question that can't be glossed over, not for me. You know, you know, my words when I came into program would have revealed that I really wanted to stop. When I, said, when I walked into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, 
Um, as sick as I was mentally, physically, spiritually, I meant it when I said I really wanted to stop. Yet my actions told the real truth. Faith without works was dead. I wasn't ready to, to, to truly stop. You know, for me, I needed five more years of, of self-will and of pain before I was going to stop. And, and for something to be baffling, it's impossible to fully understand. It's perplexing. I was, I was totally confused. I was completely frustrated day after day with this problem. And the baffling feature of alcoholism is that no matter how great the necessity or the wish, I had the utter, utter inability to leave it alone. And the bakery items, you know, they never magically jumped out of the box and pried my lips open and down my gullet, you know. You know, the candy, the candy never conspired to trick me. It didn't seduce me into submission. I never simply found myself in the drive-through ordering for a family of four. I did that pretty regularly. You know, day after day, when I had the courage to be honest with a sponsor, which was very rare for me, I would tell my sponsor another slip, another relapse. And this was the epitome, epitome of, of self-deception because these weren't accidents like a slip and fall. This was self-will run riot, you know, and, and – uh, can I do this, you know, it asks in, in this paragraph, can I do this on a non-spiritual basis? Not if I have this affliction, I can't. That's my experience. Not if I have zero history of being unable to moderate. Why? Because of the twofold nature of this disease, the allergy of the body, which I could do nothing about, and the obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of this. Um, insanity doesn't mean that I'm not capable of having a rational thought. I mean, I was always able to put together a rational thought. Insanity simply meant that I can't separate the truth from the false. I was insane because I was less than whole. I didn't yet have access to a higher power to restore me to wholeness, to, to a balanced state of being. So, you know, the last thing I'd say, for as long as I still saw myself as large and in charge, you know, the, 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 the master of my destiny, I would never surrender. I would stay imprisoned in this quicksand. I needed a power greater than myself. And then it's changed, and now I'm alive, not dead. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. And I apologize for noise on the line. Um, who would like to share on this topic? This is Bella. Can I share? Yes, I heard you, Bella. Bella, Kim. Um, there was someone else. Oh, Leia. Melissa C. Rabia. I thought there was a Sue from somewhere. Leia, yes. from And then Leia, actually, we'll yeah. let Leia from Maryland. From, a Sue from, from Maryland. We'll let Leia from Brooklyn go first because I bumped her off the first time. Okay, and so later. Leia, Kim G. I'm sorry, just wait a second. Leia from Brooklyn, Kim G., Leah M, Sue from Maryland, and there was someone else. Rabia. Bella. Rabia. Bella. Is it Bella or Stella? You oh, Bella. 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 Oh, okay, Bella is first. I mean, Bella is second. Leah, Bella, Kim, Leah, Sue, and Rabia, and that's it for now. Thank you. And leader, could you? Pardon me? Okay, Leah from Brooklyn, please start. I don't know your initial. 
Please press star one to unmute. Oh, I'm talking away. This is Leah S. from Brooklyn, New York. Did you say Bella? Bella, you'll be after Leah S. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'd like to share. Um, my whole life was a diet, and it was all about the food. The food, and again, the food. I would be on a diet to be able to fit into a certain dress so that I could eat the food again and eat again and then gain the weight again. And that was what it was all about. It is so unbelievable that that was what my life was about. And ever since the early part of 2013, I came in. There is quality to my life. There is character to my life. There is respect to my life. Who would ever think that I wanted respect? I, I, there's so many things to my life. And it's not about the food. It's not the main issue. It's the quality. It's the quality of, of my complete life. It's the spirituality of my life. It is, it is unbelievable. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And Bella, you're next. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. The question is, wow, such a powerful sentence. Yes, now, thank you, God, that I am in the program. I am not afraid to ask a question. Before the program, I, I, I was too, too afraid to ask a question, and even more, I knew the fact. The fact is that I am overweight because I don't have the willpower, and I believed in this fact, and I knew that this is the truth, and, you know, and I was... I, I had a fight with myself. Oh, well, I don't have a willpower because of me, so I blamed and judged myself. And there, it wasn't so comfortable, so I blamed and judged others. And, but I didn't want to change the fact. The fact is that I am overweight because I don't have the willpower. And thank you, God, thank you, God, that now I am in the program and I am in a, in a, in a position and I am in a level that I can ask a question. I can ask a question without a fear, without blaming. Yes, so what is the question, Bella? So why you are overweight? It's nothing to do with my willpower. Yes, and the, I, I, I am not afraid to ask a question. Okay, so if I don't have the willpower, so who has the willpower? And thank you, God, that now I, I am not afraid for the answer. Yes, the answer is that I don't have the willpower, and there is God that he has the willpower. And now... 
Thank you, God, for me is a gift of life. I am not afraid to ask a question anymore, and I am looking for an answer. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And next is Kim G. Please press star one to unmute. Okay, we will go on with Leah M, please. We'll pick up Kim as she comes back. Thank you, Katie. Hi, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Um, You know, (laughs) I uh, knew I was a compulsive overeater since I was a kid. I didn't know what it was called. Um, I didn't know what I was up against. I did not understand the depths to which this disease would drag me or how hot hell would get. I mean, I had been eating uh, since an early age, you know, like four, where I would eat bowl after bowl after bowl of sugary cereal, and it just progressed from that point, uh, planned binges at eight, age eight, etc. So when it says, you know, depends upon the which to which, it depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose, I mean, that was my tragic truth that the most powerful desire to stop this behavior uh, by the time I was a teen or, uh, you know, a young adult was absolutely to no avail. You know, and, uh, you know, when I... Was when I came to you at age 19, I had been eating with a sense of urgency and desperation for almost two decades. I was, uh, I knew I was going to die from this disease at that point, and yet I needed a binge more than I needed anything else in this world. And that is a bad place to be because I did have uh, a necessity and a wish to stop this. You know, I was obese, I had medical consequences, I had high cholesterol, blood pressure, etc. In my early 20s, I had the mental torture, I had the emotional turmoil, I had isolation, deep depression, I had suicidal thinking. I mean, things were not looking good for me, and yet, you know, I, I had stopped thousands of times. Why couldn't I stay stopped? Why was it that my pain had no memory? Why was it when I uh, binged, I would lose control? And even when I didn't, uh, you know, when I refrained from my trigger foods, I would lose control. And I would continue to repeat this behavior, expecting different results, not learning from my experience. I could not connect the dots. And, you know, that was with the exhaustion that I came to you. Because night after night, I would cry real tears, and I would say, God, what is wrong with me? Why do I eat like this? Why do I act like this? And I'm going to change. I swear I'm going to change. And then the next day, I'd do it all over again. And thank you, God, uh, for this program of recovery that taught me what is my problem. Lack of power is my dilemma. And this book was designed to bring about an experience for someone like me. And the application of these steps and pressing into these principles restored me to sanity, gave me soundness of mind, relieved me of the obsession of this beast, and I no longer live that way, and it allowed me to walk this earth a free woman. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
Thank you, Leah. Kim G, you're up. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. You know, I have to tell you, when I came into OA, I didn't have a desire to stop eating compulsively. What I had a desire was is teach me how to eat three Oreos. You know, my problem is I'm ingesting too many calories and I'm heavy. I did not come to this conclusion. You know, I remember in my mid-20s making the decision I can't diet anymore because dieting meant gaining weight because holding my breath underwater meant that I was going to wind up the spring back of the disease got harder and harder. So if I lost 10, I would gain 15. If I lost 20, I would gain 30 because I am unable to eat moderately. I am unable to have a sliver or a slice of those foods that create the phenomenon of craving. And we must believe that. Unfortunately, I was told in a way, and I, I hear it you know, today in different rooms, that it's just a behavior. It's just a behavior. If we work this stuff, then we can learn to moderately eat our binge foods. The big book is directly contradicting that. To be a compulsive overeater, we have the allergy to the body, which means we are unable to eat moderately. And step one is simply a conclusion. It's the conclusion of this line. Ask yourself, are you convinced, are you fully conceding that you're unable, unable to eat moderately? Because let me tell you, I didn't come to OA at my top weight of a 24. I mean, it's size 24. I came in at a 14, terrified, because I was losing the weight, and I was more insane than ever. And I have to tell you, my personal experience is, when I have a problem with step two, it's because I'm not, I haven't done step one. When I understand that I'm powerless, when I understand to the depths of my soul that I am unable to eat moderately, that I can, I have to stop altogether, and I am incapable of doing that, that's the definition of powerless, then finding that power is an easy conclusion to come to. And I just want to end with this. We often talk about hitting bottom. And I have to tell you, I've binged many times hoping to hit bottom. I had red lines when I graduate high school, when I reach a size 18, when I reach 200 pounds, when the doctor tells me I have to go on certain medication. And every time I had a red line hit, I would change that line. The a bottom is not, is not a physical place. So I just want to read on page 152 because this to me is the perfect description of the, of the bottom. I'm abstinent. I'm not in the food. And this is the thinking of my mind. Inwardly, I would give anything to take a half a dozen drinks and get away with them. I will presently try the old game again for I am not happy about being abstinent. I cannot picture life without, without food. Someday I will be unable to imagine life either with food or without it. And that is the moment that I reached for recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Sue B., you're up. Sue from Maryland, please press star 1 to unmute. Good morning. This is Sufi, recovered from Maryland. Uh, thank you, Katie, for your service, and thank you, everybody on the line. You have helped me toward my recovery. This is my first time sharing at this meeting. Um, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. 
I've been in this program many in and out, many, many years, and I could never fully recover. It, it didn't matter how much of weight I had lost. It wasn't about the weight. It was about the fact that after a certain point in time, I became my own God. I, I just did not continue to work uh, steps 10, 11, and 12 and live with my higher power being my God. I always took over. And every time I took over, I took back the reins and I blocked my relationship with my higher power. Every time that happened, it was just a matter of time before I got back into the food. And I just want to thank everybody again. I'm grateful for sharing, for being able to share, and I'm so grateful for this meeting every morning. Thank you. Pass. Thank you so much, um, Susie. And Rabia, it's your turn. And you'll be the last chair for today. Uh, good morning, all my visionaries. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, Rabia M. And uh, this paragraph is so powerful. Uh, step one, uh, let me try to get my thoughts together, because um, because so many times I had the desire to stop because of the consequences, which was always fat for me. Uh, I would get fat so fast when I picked up my binge foods, and um, and and I. We all know the non-spiritual bases, all the human aid ways that I can stop eating, all the diets, all the doctors, all the millions of ways I've tried, and we've talked about uh, based on human aid, and they all of course, work temporarily. And even this past January, I was getting fat again, and I started coming back to OA, um, and I thought I was desperate in the moment I would come back to OA because I I really didn't want to get any fatter, um, but I wasn't willing to stop altogether. And then and then came the beginning of March, and, and I was absolutely desperate as a dying could be. I was, I was so miserable. I was getting fatter so fast it was alarming, and um, I was so uncomfortable in every way. And, and so, I, so I came to OA, and, and the question is, what am I willing to do? You know, if I, if I, how do I stop altogether? Um, and stay stopped in step one so that I can work these steps. So so what was I willing to do? I was willing, I actually made a commitment to go to 90 face-to-face meetings in 90 days, and I have never been able to, ever been willing to do that. I was willing to um, have a food sponsor. I was willing to commit my food. I was willing to make, I was willing to do every single tool that OA has to offer and and that is relying, all of those rely on human aid. However, the difference is I was willing to go to OA meetings and 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 the second tradition is that every meeting, in every meeting there's one ultimate authority, a loving God, as that spirit may express itself in love and power. And, um, and so uh, 
no matter what I think about um, OA or dieting with support, or, you know, and any of that, there's also a power greater than me at every OA meeting, and we can do together what I could never do by myself, and and we must come together to do together what we cannot do by ourselves while we're going through these steps and finding the God of our understanding. So, so what am I willing to do if I'm really saying that I am at my rock bottom, I am desperate as a dying what actions am I willing to take today, just today? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you to everyone. Um, now, um, thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Penny C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning, and thank you, everybody on the line. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.